How many of you, if you're honest with yourself, saw your life developing the way it's developed? How many of you have had some things to come about in your life that are a little bit different than you put on the blueprint for yourself? Be honest, raise your hand if you, yeah, yeah. Now how many, how many would say that what you are going through and what you've dealt with is better than what the Lord, than, than what you imagined for yourself, that the Lord has blessed you beyond your imagination? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm one of those that I didn't see myself. I was, as I, you know, I, you know, I, I watch a lot of movies, a lot of stuff on TV. And, and I often wonder what the director is going through with that scene, what he's trying to get to. And I, I like how they use different scenes to show the passage of time. And, and I wonder if there was someone filming me every Sunday when I step up on this pulpit, how you show the passage of time, how how things have changed every Sunday, just over and over how I step up here. I just had one of those deja vu moments when I got up here and I, I hadn't imagined that I'd be doing this with my life. It's not something that I planned for myself. I didn't know every Sunday that me and the Lord would be meeting like this. Yeah, but my life is not my own. And, and if I accept that, and I know to him I belong. I got to be willing, though, to give myself. Give myself to him. And, and I'll say what he's done for me is better than I could have done for myself. It's, it's greater than I could have imagined. And I'm so thankful that the Lord saw fit out of all the folk in the world to say, you, Andre, you'll be the one that I want to do this. And I just want to be worthy. Of the, of the trust that he's put into me. And so it doesn't matter who's sitting there. All I need to know is I got to come up here. Yeah, if it's just me and you, then I'm going to be up here. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter who's back here. I'm grateful for every one of them. But my task is to just keep coming up here. Keep talking and teaching and telling the truth of the Lord. Because I can tell you right now, from the very first time I stood over here, because this is where I was that first Sunday when I came in here. From the very first time when I got off the bench right there and stood up, the congregation looks completely different. Yeah, some have gone to the Lord. Some have just gone. <laughs> but so many have come. So many have come to just hear what the Lord has to say. And so when I look out there, I can cry and I can smile. And I can be thankful. And I can keep thinking about what the Lord is going to say. And then I wonder as I look forward, what's it going to be like moving forward? All I know is I got to keep walking, keep marching. I've been preaching a sermon series for the last few weeks and I stopped. Anthony asked me yesterday, Dad, you going to keep the, continuing the series? The struggle is real. And I said, no, nah, it's over. It's over. The Lord, is, the Lord is, has ended that one for me. It's time. I think tomorrow is just just a sermon um, that he's put on my heart for the congregation. But Rich, the more I started thinking about it, it really does fit in The Struggle is Real. So it could be a part of that series, because the series wasn't planned. A lot of the series that I preach are planned series. I know what the sermons are before the Sunday comes. And you've seen that through the years. I tell you sometimes, we're going to talk about such and such, but none of this was planned. All of it just kind of fell in place. And then Reggie came in this morning, and he, and he validated. 
Reggie and I haven't spoken not this week. I'm not about that. Maybe text one time. I don't know. But anyway, we do that from time to time. But we haven't spoken about what I'm preaching about today. And that's why I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is intelligent. He knows how to frame things in your life. Uh, he knows how to fix a service. It's happened so many times that I come in, and the first thing he plays is something that tells me I'm in the right place. You've had that experience before, Casanova. And the first song you played this morning was what? I'm grateful. Yeah, no, 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 no. Don't play that one. All right. Don't play that one. That's another one. That's another one that Walter Hawkins did. Not I'm grateful. It's called Be Grateful. Be, you know that one. Grateful, yeah, that's, that's the one. And so the Lord sent me to this passage of scripture in Luke chapter 17. You know it, you know it, you don't even have to look at it. You've heard this story so many times in Sunday school, have you been church, have raised in a church, you know it. Jesus and the ten lepers, you've read this story so many times. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read it quickly for you and then I wanna talk to you about that because, because I think, I believe some people in here, don't raise your hand, don't raise your hand, but some people struggle with being grateful. Some people don't understand the necessity of gratitude in their lives. They simply don't, you're not good at it. You don't practice it. The muscle in your, your gratitude muscle is weak. And I want to talk to you today from this 17, verse 11 through 19. Bear with me as I read it. I don't usually like to read that much, but suffer it this morning said it happened that as he made his way toward Jerusalem he crossed over the border between Samaria and Galilee as he entered a village ten men all lepers met him they kept their distance but raised their voices calling out Jesus master have mercy on us Taking a good look at them, he said, look at this, simple, Saul. He said, go show yourselves to the priest. That's a power-packed statement right there. Just go show yourselves to the priest. And he said, they went. And while still on their way, became clean. One of them, when he realized that he was healed, turned around and came back. Watch, that's quick. That was quick in there now. You got to hear that. I said, one of them, Miss Bailey, one of them realized that he was healed, turned around, and came back shouting his gratitude, glorifying God. He kneeled at Jesus' feet so grateful. He couldn't thank him enough. And he, uh-oh, Politics got to be included in it. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus said, were not ten healed? Where are the nine? Can none be found to come back and give glory to God except this, look at this, outsider? And then he said to him, get up on your way. Your faith has healed, look at this, and saved you healed and saved you. Walter Hawkins, 1978, he and his choir sang that pivotal song that you all know. Lyrics are haunting. But I bet 
I bet you can probably remember them if you start uh, hearing the song. He wrote, God has not promised me sunshine. That's not the way it's going to be. He said, but, but a little, come on now, a little rain mixed with God's sunshine. A little pain makes me appreciate the good time. And then he simply reminds us so, so lovingly, be, just be, be grateful. Just like that, just like that. That, that, that's it. God desires. Desires to be your longing. Just like you, just like you, he feels it. But he can afford to let you feel only good. Come on, why? Why? Because then you can't appreciate it. So learn, practice. Yeah, just be grateful. Yeah, be grateful. Come on, I, I knew you knew it. Why? Why? Because because we know that there's someone else who's worse off than you. So be grateful. Someone else would love to be in your shoes. So be grateful. He said he'd never forsake us. Be grateful. Be grateful. Yeah, we get out of practice with being, being grateful. We think God is supposed to do the things he does, but what if God sent us a message and said, I'm off next week? You, you do it yourself next week. You go through life by yourself next week. How many of y'all will sign up for that week? Nobody. 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 And so I think, I think, we still got a couple months to go, but some of us are in need of some Thanksgiving already this year. We need a celebration day on how to celebrate the Lord and how good he's been. I know you've been through some things. Bless y'all. Bless you. Thank you. Sir. Keep on with that. I love it. There's enough stuff going on around us for us to be worried. Yeah, we, well, I know. I know. Yeah. yeah. They keep telling us around here that unemployment is low, but I still can't find no job. Yeah, folk keep struggling, saying I can't find the one job I need, and when I find a job, they don't pay me enough, so I gotta go get another job. And I'm working two jobs, and I can't never be around my family. I'm struggling. People, yeah, people keep talking about the unemployment rate. That's the national unemployment rate. Even the one in Alabama, that ain't the African-American unemployment rate, which is always historically lower than the one that everybody else talks about. It's still too high. Still can't find it. I'm employed, but I'm underemployed. 
I'm making money, but I'm still getting assistance. Why? Because I don't make enough money to take care of my, all my necessities, all my needs. And so I'm struggling. And I don't find a reason when I got to work two jobs every day. I haven't been able to be grateful like I need to because I'm tired all the time. And I know y'all want me to come out there and celebrate with y'all, but I'm struggling. And then I got to hear on TV all the time that them folk in D.C. can't get it together. They argue about everything. They argue about arguing. Around the world, people struggling. I see all these folk who look brown, kind of like me, trying to get in this country, and everybody who don't look like them trying to keep them from coming in this country. They act like they forgot how they got over here themselves. I'm struggling. Every time I see one of them, it makes me think they don't want me to be here either. I don't know what there is to be grateful about. Yeah, I see wars going on, and people keep telling me, well, the army is a good place. Last thing I want to do is go in the army and go fight somewhere else. I'm struggling with that right now. I realize we got folk in there right now, and I'm praying for them every day. But you ain't seeing a whole lot of folks say, send me, I'll go over there. We're struggling with that right now. And so we start looking at all the areas of our lives, and, and, and if you're honest with yourself, some of you might say, I, I don't know if I'm ready to be grateful for everything, but I came to tell you today that being grateful is exactly what you need to do. It's the antidote for what's going on in your life. Yeah, in fact, in fact, if you learn how to be more grateful, what it really does is change your perspective on what's going on about you. I came to remind you that as believers in Jesus Christ, we have something baked in us that makes us understand how blessed we are. Yeah, the fact that we know the Lord, the fact that he has saved us, has already given us a foundation of gratefulness because how many of y'all know he didn't have to do it? He did it because he loves us. He did it because he loved us even through our stuff. And so today, the topic I'm simply talking about is be, be grateful. In the passage that I read to you from, from, from St. Luke, Jesus is again, I always like to walk you there, give you some history on it, and then try to tie in the points. Because I, I want you to be able to walk out of here with something that's going to help you. Later in the week, when you're not hearing me, I still want the message to be bouncing around in your spirit so you can deal with it as you meet your responsibilities of life. Jesus is walking. He's on the border region there, uh, crossing the boundaries of countries that realistically a Jewish man should not be in. The Bible says that the Jews didn't go to Samaria because the Samaritans and the Jewish people were enemies. And yet Jesus always found himself going places he shouldn't go, trying to help people and be around people that technically he should not have been. If you go through scripture, you'll find him often in those kinds of places, making specific points about who we should deal with. What I take from that is because Jesus went to everybody, we have to go to everybody too. We shouldn't be drawing circles around who we don't talk to and who we don't help because many times Jesus made the hero of the story one of the enemies of the day. And that was deliberate on his part. And so he goes in there, he's helping somebody who by politics standards he should have no business helping. And while he's there, y'all, he runs into a group of ten lepers. Ten lepers. Ten lepers. Now, we put that into a modern-day context. He had ten folk who were strung out on heroin. 
living outside the city, living, scrounging, doing whatever they could do. Oh, yeah, heroin, being addicted to opiates is modern-day leprosy, y'all. Oh, yeah, it takes you out of life. People don't want you living with them after a point now. After a point, you'll do anything. The craving for opiates is so bad that they'll forsake anything just to deal with it. In fact, many of them will gladly, gladly go on medication so that it can damp down the craving for the opiates because it's not something that they can handle by themselves. It is awful, and it starts out, Ironically enough, Cass, it starts out simple. Starts out in your doctor's office, and he writes you a prescription for painkillers. That's how it starts. Simple. You're not going on the corner. You're not meeting somebody in a jacket. You're not meeting somebody in shade. Pook ain't on the corner waiting on you, slinging it. No, no, that's not how it starts. It starts out with the doctor that says, take one of these every four hours for some pain. And you do. You do. And in this country, they were writing billions of dollars worth of prescriptions for pain. And that's why you had last year 66,000 people who died from the leprosy of opiate addiction. You, you didn't hear me. I said 66,000 people who died from this leprosy. So I said all that to make you know that leprosy didn't stop then. We still have Literally, we still have Hansen's disease now. People still suffer from the disease that's talked about in the Bible. People still struggle with that. But that's not the same political scourge today as it was then. Today, the political scourge is your family member who you won't let come in your house because you know they're strung out. And every time they leave, some in your house walk out too. You know that. That, that's the, that's so you can't come visit. No, no, I'll meet you at McDonald's. You know that, and I'm not trying to be funny, but y'all know we treat folk like that because they have this problem. But anyway, there are 10 of them, these outcasts. They approach him with a plea for healing. You know, I don't know if you've seen it lately, but people who have this political struggle, this social struggle, they know how close to come to you. All right, they're not gonna come up on you because Painfully, they've learned that if you get too close to some folk, they're going to cuss you out or they're going to pull something on you and tell you to get up off of them. And so when they meet Jesus, not knowing who he is, Deacon Moore, they're still gingerly coming to him. They don't know who he is, but they got an expectation that this man, because of the entourage he has, might be able to do something for him. And so they yell out, Master, please, please help us. Experience has told them that that's all they can do. And in response, Jesus does something that almost seems an aside. He simply tells them, having already decided that their need is urgent and they need him to intervene in their situation, he simply tells them to go and show themselves to the local priest. Why? Because this disease was treated as a religious problem. And the priest was the one who would declare them clean when the disease was gone. So look at this now. I hope you walk this miracle through. When Jesus says, go and show, all they had to do was turn around in obedience. Many times we miss blessings because we won't be obedient. All they had to do was turn around, and the Bible says that as they did the 180, 
not the 360, but if they did the 180, they were healed in obedience, walking toward the priest. Somebody ought to say amen. Because sometimes, can I tell you this? You can get better if you just turn around. Stop going in the direction you're going. Stop fighting to get where you think you ought to be and go where the Lord tells you to go. It might not feel right. They probably said, I've been to see that priest 15 times. He won't even let me in the front of the church. But he said, go. I love this because Jesus has clearly already healed them before they even turn around. All they had to do was turn around and receive the best blessing. Somebody don't hear me on that. You're you missing salvation on that. You've already been healed. You just need to turn around and go and walk in that healing that God has already provided, provided for you. Two things in this. First, despite the fact that I probably have preached this pejoratively before about the other nine, I want to give you a different perspective on it today. They did nothing wrong. Okay. Most of the time we think to identify and highlight the one who did turn around, we got to knock down the nine who didn't. Can I tell you, the nine who did not come back did nothing wrong because all Jesus said was turn around and go show yourself. And that's what they did. They didn't do anything wrong. All right? If they just did what Jesus said, then they still got the blessing that Jesus promised. All right? So don't knock them. Don't knock them. But what's the difference? What's the difference between the nine and the one who turned around? One turns around, falls on his face, and tells the Lord, thank you. What is so different? And what identifies him to the Lord such that God or Jesus says something about him? All right? Why was he, according to scripture, blessed a second time? All right? He was made healthy just like the other ones, according to what I'm seeing here, because he turned around just like the other nine, and just as Jesus promised, when he turned around, he was healed. Blessing. You can check that off. But something happened to him that's instructive to me and you today. He, according to scripture there, realized something. He realized something. And that's where the distinction comes into play. Isn't, though, let me ask you this, isn't being blessed enough? Wasn't it enough that he just turned around and got the healing? He didn't have leprosy no more? That's enough, isn't it? Who could ask for any more from the Lord? But he got something other than just being healed from leprosy. All right? He got the healing blessing. But he also got the blessing, and you need to write this down. He got the blessing of awareness. Oh, he got the blessing of awareness. Y'all don't know, being aware is a valuable thing in your walk and your witness. And because he got the blessing of awareness, somebody ain't, ain't hearing me right now, 
he got the blessing of awareness, or let me put it a different way, or recognizing the blessing and giving thanks. He got the blessing of that. See, some of y'all don't know that giving thanks is a blessing. Oh, 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 oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, it's a blessing. And because he got the blessing of awareness and the blessing of giving thanks, he received another blessing of wholeness and, David, salvation. That's the difference between him and the other nine. So, so, so let me see if I can break this down for you, because some of y'all are saying, what you talking about, Reverend Spall? Have y'all ever noticed how powerful it is in your life to not only receive a blessing, but also to name the blessing and give thanks for it. Let me see if I can paint the picture for you. Maybe one night you're out with some friends out to dinner, and it's one of those meals that's just hidden it. Whoever cooked it did a magnificent job. I mean, all the flavors blended in just right. The atmosphere in the room was just, just right. The music was, 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 was just right. Nobody's distracting you. The conversation at the table is, is just, just right. And you realize you're in one of those moments in life that just feels good. Now, it's already a blessing to have the meal, but it's a double blessing when you turn to one of them and you say, you know, it's wonderful. Just being here with you all has made this event so much better than I could have imagined myself. In other words, not only are you blessed, but you're also grateful. Sometimes we just take a blessing without giving gratitude for that blessing. I, I hope you understand what I'm saying now. See, the meal is good. You're going to have a good meal. But the blessing and gratitude that comes from being grateful makes it seem even better. You've been blessed a second time because you're aware that it's good. Can I tell you something? You can take that same steak that's so good, if that's what you were eating that night, and you cannot finish it. And one of your family members can come in late that night and say, anything in here to eat? And they go in the refrigerator and get the same steak that's still good and eat it and not have the same experience you had from eating that steak. And so they don't get that double blessing that you get. And simply identifying it and saying it is a double blessing. But there are two parts to being grateful. Two parts, all right? Oh, oh, oh let me give you another one. Maybe I remember Karen and I have taken a few trips. I remember recently, we went, last year we went to, uh, to St. Thomas. St. Thomas on a cruise. Now we were standing there at one of those hotspot tourist places where you can stand at the top of the hill and you can see the entire island almost from that top of the hill and Megan's Bay and all the folk down there on the beach. You can see all that. You can see all the folk living over here. You can see nothing but crystal blue Caribbean Sea standing out for you. And as if it wasn't blessing enough to be able to go there, it was a double blessing because I was able to turn to the person I love most in the world and say, I love being here 
in this place with you right now because I could be here by myself, but being here with you gives me a double blessing. I'm aware that having you here means something to me. Awareness. All of them got healed, but only one was aware of how good the blessing was. And when you are aware, you ought to say something about how good God has been to you. But it's two major parts to it. First of it, first point in it is you have to have perception. Now you got to recognize the blessing. All right? But not just recognize, not just re a perception, but you also have to have articulation. What does that mean? That means you have to express it. I'm aware of it. I ought to say something if I'm aware of it. It's one thing for Ms. Smith to bake me a cookie and me to eat it and enjoy it. It's a completely different thing for me to call Ms. Smith and say, Ms. Smith, those were some wonderful cookies you baked for me. Thank you so much. I'm aware of how good you've been to me. Now, I'm not trying to put you on the spot right now. I'm not. I just want to know, do you tell folk when they've been good to you? Do you teach people that you are appreciative of the good stuff that they have done for you? Do you know what it takes to bake a cookie? Do you know they got to go to the grocery store and pick out the ingredients? Do you know they got to take time in their house to prepare those ingredients? Do you know they got to spend not only their time, but their energy and their ability just to give you a cookie? Are you appreciative of all that goes into it? Just like you don't know all that goes into baking a cookie, you don't know what it took God to wake you up this morning, but when you're aware of it, you ought to say, thank you, Lord. While you were sleeping and dead to the world last night, he was keeping stuff away from you. How many times have you gotten up in the morning and didn't even realize it had stormed all night long? Trees all over your yard, neighbors with no power, and yet somebody kept you. You ought to turn to him and say, thank you, Lord. You already been blessed, but when you've been blessed, you ought to say something about it. In order to have perception and expression, you have to appreciate the value of something. You have to appreciate the value. And we don't often appreciate value. I guarantee you. We're struggling right now with a generation that we're not teaching the appropriate value of things. We give them too much and they don't understand the connection it was different when you were growing up and you wanted a peach pie and your grandma said go out there on that tree and pull me some peaches you knew that peach trees scratch you knew that sometimes you got to fight bugs to get the peaches down. You knew that sometimes the dog was barking. There's something you had to go through to get the peaches. And God forbid you didn't have no peach tree in your yard and had to go to somebody else's yard to get the peaches out. But it made you appreciate when that slice of peach pie was put in front of you. You knew you had gone through something.
in order to get it. We got a generation now who don't know what it takes to put a slice of pie in front of them. Why? Because pie is always there. You know it. They can tell you what restaurant to go to. Where you want to go? Oh, no, no, no. You don't understand that this has dire consequences in our society. They, they don't understand that you don't have to get a bonus every year on your job. You have to earn a bonus. Oh, we, we struggle with that now. People think they're supposed to get, it's called a merit increase. Not just annual increase. A merit increase means you have to do something more than your job, or at least no less than your job, to earn the merit increase. But they'll fight you if they've been late to work every day, if they half do their job behind on all their assignments and come time for evaluation, you don't put them in a position to give them a merit increase. They're not appreciative of the fact that they still got a job. They, they missing the blessing. They part of the nine. Yeah, you still got a job, but you're not grateful enough to get here on time. You're not grateful enough to stay up on your job. You're not grateful enough to do the thing that you're supposed to do. If I'm on your toes, just say, ouch, ouch, ouch. Because I'm here to tell you, being grateful is a part of who we are as believers. What are we showing folk when we don't show gratitude? When we of all people don't know how to say thank you, Lord. When we of all people don't know how to say to other people when they do something for us, thank you for supporting me in those situations. So you got to learn what value is. That's important. Got to understand that something has been given to you or for you that costs something. Might not have cost you anything, but it cost somebody something. And you need to understand that value. And secondly, you need to accept the fact that you couldn't have done it by yourself. Without that intervention, you could not have gotten the gift or the grace or the blessing that's been given to you. Self-awareness is crucial. And both of those things have to be taught. Self-awareness has to be taught. They are learned responses to things. You ever seen a parent, they give a child something and they teach them to say, thank you. Say thank you. And you teach them that long enough, and guess what happens when they get older? Somebody gives them something, they say, thank you. But how many of y'all know you can say thank you and not be grateful? You can say it. It's just rote to say thank you. You have to teach children what gratitude actually is. We are not born grateful. We're not born grateful. You have to be taught to be grateful. And it's even more difficult, but once you've been taught, you can't unlearn it. You can ignore it, but you cannot unlearn it. Once you've been taught to be grateful, it's in you. And you have a choice to make at that point whether you're going to express it or not. And so for those of us in here who are of a certain age and who've been taught all our lives that we ought to be grateful, not being willing to express it 
creates some problems because we're not teaching other folk about the gratitude like this leper did. He didn't have to turn around, but he was so full of what God, what Jesus had done for him, he decided to turn around. It was a choice that he made, and because he made that choice, he was double blessed. Double blessed. Last thing I want to tell you is this. You can't truly be born again without being grateful. All right. You can't truly be born again without being grateful. Somebody ought to say amen. I'm not even an amen asking for a preacher. But you can't be born again and not appreciate what Jesus Christ has done for you. You can't be born again and not accept the fact that we were at war with God and Jesus came and settled that for us. You can't be born again and not appreciate that you couldn't do that for yourself. Gratitude pulls us out of ourselves, out of our shells, out of our corner, and into something larger and bigger and grander than you and I could ever imagine. Gratitude draws us to an emotion that I believe might be the most powerful emotion we have. Gratitude frees us from fear. How do I know that? Because the same leper who a few seconds before had been afraid to come close to Jesus. Because of gratitude, he came and fell down at his feet and said, thank you. That's what gratitude will do for you. When you're aware that somebody's done something for you, you'll throw off all the shackles that society puts on you just so you can come back and say, thank you for being so good to me. And so now, if you know that gratitude can do all of that for you, what did the other nine miss? They didn't miss being blessed because they were. They didn't miss being healed because they were. But they did miss, look at this, being saved. They got healed physically, but they're still struggling spiritually. But the one who turned around and came back got physical healing and he got salvation as well because Jesus Christ said to him, your faith has saved you. That's what you get from salvation and gratitude. You've got to be able to be aware that you can't save yourself. You've got to know that it's Jesus who has done it all for us and so let's look at our world again. I told you before that we got folk who can't find jobs, we're full of troubles. I didn't even talk about what was really going on in our community. That was just globally. But when you look at it from a gratitude perspective, you can say, Lord, thank God you've been taking care of my folk. Amen. Thank God it was none of our children who've been caught up in this stuff. When you look at it from a, an attitude of gratitude, you see things completely different than you do when you look at it from an attitude of fear. People always look at stuff from fear. All of news is fear. When you hear it on TV, all they do is play to your fears. Suppose they come on every evening and they say, nobody in this community was harmed this evening, and nobody in this community was harmed this evening. No cars were broken into. No houses were broken into. Suppose they told you all the good stuff as opposed to the negative stuff. They wouldn't be on the air long, would they? Because we're designed to want junk. And I came to tell you right now, if you're a believer, you got to get that junk out of you. 
You got to get that feeling out of you that all you want to hear is negativity. You need to be positive. You need to be grateful. Everybody who extends a hand to you, learn how to say thank you. You need to say thank you to the Lord because he sent somebody to save you. You need to say thank you to the one he sent to save you. You need to be thankful to the preacher who told you about the one that was sent to save you. You need to be thankful for the church that allowed the preacher to come and tell you that you were saved. There's so many layers of gratitude. If you know about it, you need to thank somebody that there's a job you can do to tell somebody else about Jesus. There's so many ways you can be grateful. I came to tell you today, being grateful is the best spiritual muscle you can exercise. Because when you exercise that muscle, it strengthens the rest of your faith walk. Be grateful. Be grateful because Jesus loved you enough to come and die for you. Be grateful because he didn't do a half job. He did a whole job. And so now, if you accept his gift of salvation, not only will you be saved, look at this, you can also let him be your Lord and leader. So you can be saved and led by him, and for that, you ought to be grateful. I stood up here and told you, I didn't design coming up here every Sunday, but I'm so glad I did because it's not in my hands, it's in his hands to do what needs to be done. I don't have to make the plans. He's already got the plans laid out for me. I don't have to worry about folk or situation because he's going to take care of me. And for that, I just want to say thank you, Lord. I'm glad that you came today. But if you came today and you still haven't accepted the gift of salvation, then today is a day, like he told them, you need to turn around and come show yourself and say, I want to be healed. If you've never done that before, here's the opportunity for you to turn right now. That's all that means, repent. That's all it means is turn around. And I'm waiting for you to come right now as the choir stands to sing a song. The doors of our church are wide, wide open. Whosoever will, let them come right now. Whosoever. <laughs>